0: Good evening. It's the Jam Session Radio Hour. This is your host, John Landis, for another episode of the Jam Session Radio Hour. This is the second show of bass player Iris Ornig, who lives out here in the Hamptons. Iris is a very accomplished player. Those of you who heard it last week, the first show, heard a portion of a concert that was done recently at the Hampton Library in Bridgehampton as part of the Hamptons Jazz Fest. We actually... uh, uh, broadcast that one on Facebook, Facebook Live, because we had no audience. Uh, had to do it inside, raining outside. Iris put together a trio with uh, Tom Guana and Ada Ravati. Ada on tenor sax and Tom on guitar. And she tells us in this portion of the interview, the interview that you're going to hear today uh, that she did so for kind of a laid-back, cool sound. Um, she's extremely interesting, intelligent, uh, great player, composer And as you'll hear The way she composes is, is very interesting We spent a lot of time talking about that So uh, let's hear The concert done in late September As part of the Hamptons Jazz Fest Iris Ornig, Adaravati and Tom, uh, Tom Guana From the Hampton Library Let's go
1: we dreams.
0: You're listening to WLIW FM eighty-eight point three in Southampton, New York. That's WLIW.org dot slash radio, uh, where you can hear it stream. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and you're listening to a concert and an interview of Iris Ornig, bass player Iris Ornig. So, Iris, tell us more about uh, tell us more about your how creativity flows from your painting into your music, and how is that is that pretty seamless, or are they compartmentalized in your life and uh, or do you see it as kind of one thing
2: um, it, 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 it varies so sometimes if I see a painting which inspires me um, then I go from there and create music or sometimes I'm just creating music and I see total different colors which is kind of very interesting um, it, and I guess it's also a personal life at the moment, I see a lot of blue colors. Even if I I haven't really composed for the last probably two three months, but I have so many ideas in my head. So what I do, I have my little iPhone, or everybody has their phone, and do if I have an idea, I just sing it in, and then I I either write in as a title tree, um, or if it, if I have something like with a different meter, three, four, five or something. And that's how I do it to keep then going back and and remember what I was um, thinking and doing at that time. So that definitely helps me with my little notes. And I know because I was kind of busy in the summer or busy and just enjoying life because finally out of COVID seeing people and um, playing music again, get me busy. So um, there I have my little recordings and when I have the time I sit on my bass or my piano and write a whole new song out of it.
0: So do, and, does what you're hearing in your head, I mean what you're seeing in, in your head, the, the colors, does that I mean, simplistically correspond with uh, a melody or is it more of a, a feeling? You get a feeling and, and so you just kind of translate that feeling into music?
2: Yeah it's it's a feeling and I translate in in Basically, in music, in a melody, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely okay. that way.
0: So you'll you'll play you you'll you'll get a melody, and once you get that melody, that that you'll be able to riff off of that for um, the rest of the tune. Do you ever do you ever um, do lyrics?
2: I did lyrics, um, but I got really discouraged because um, I did lyrics in English, and since English is my second language, and um, native people are basically educated people say oh that doesn't make any sense so i'm still looking for a lyricist who can help me out which i with ideas but i haven't found the right person i collaborated with a few people but so i'm very strong-minded as well what what i envision the lyrics should be so that's that's probably also a little difficult um for lyricists to work with me
0: wow that's so interesting. So you have tried to collaborate with others where you yeah. would uh, play for others, or someone, this is, the, this is the melody, this is the idea, this is the, this is the pace of the, of the tune. Um, then you'll give them an idea of what the, you know, the kind of topic might be
2: mm-hmm, and then yeah.
0: they come back with something which to you is like, uh-uh, it doesn't work. Yeah,
2: I, I, I collaborated with one and his name is Sasha Vazandani. And he's a really wonderful jazz singer. And he got too busy, so we we worked very well together, and he wrote very sweet, soothing lyrics, which I liked for those songs. But I haven't been in touch with him because he got so busy with his own music. And sometimes, a musician when they got so busy with their own creativity that they don't really have time for anything else.
0: Right. So now you're in the city now
2: but you were out yeah. here
0: you were out here in bridgehampton um for the first uh half of the concert that we've done yeah. and you played go ahead
2: oh i'm sorry to interrupt you and um, basically i'm i'm just um in the city in general one or two days mm-hmm. at the moment and it just happened today that i did a live stream for a library and also i have a private functional gig in the evening, so that's why I'm the city. I will be back. I will be back tomorrow.
0: Okay, so to give to give everybody an idea of what it's like for a working musician like yourself, um, who's trying to make a life uh, in in as a musician uh, out in the Hamptons, which is where you live, uh, mm-hmm. like before the pandemic. Yep. Uh, how were things going then? Were you were you getting to play regularly? Were you were you making you know ha- having some jobs?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, Before the pandemic, I played between three and five times a week. Um, In the city, I have had my regular engagement always Monday and Tuesday, and sometimes Sunday, and the rest of the week, um, I went to Long Island, played there, or if something was in the city, I played in the city. But I was was very busy, and compared to now, I'm performing maybe once a week, and that's really compared nothing to yeah. what was before.
0: And that's what you find to be the case with other musicians, things have yeah. dried up, they're creep, creeping back, but the that's, flow hasn't really, the flow is just a trickle so far.
2: Yeah, so, so hopefully by spring, it will be kind of back to normal.
0: Yeah, to, now we have to, to get play. through the winter,
2: right? Exactly, exactly. Right. So, so when so, you were,
0: before the pandemic, when you were playing three to five times a week, how many of those times were in clubs, for instance?
2: Um, uh, in clubs where definitely two times a week.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and that I was can... a regular gig that you would have? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's good. And that that's something that evolved into something where then you had a regular gig with other people? How many people? Was it a trio?
2: Um, it was between a trio and the quintet. Mm-hmm. So, and, then... and, and and basically to, um, to to picking those musicians, so after the years I had Basically, my own little pool of musicians where I became friend, friends with and where we just did things together. So you always like to to have those musicians first call to a gig to right. play with me.
0: It, would you be the person who would put the band, you would put the, the, tr- the trio or the quintet together? That yeah, would be you. It,
2: that would be, it was always me, yeah. I put it together and...
0: Uh-huh. And you play and, under, under the name Ira Sornig.
2: Yeah, and then it, the, the good thing is I can um, exploit under Iris Ornick Trio, Quartet, Quintet. Right. Um, I had also a project for a while which I played only um Burt Bacharach song in a jazz language. And
0: All Burt Bacharach out. songs. Yeah, and, and
2: also, Michael mm-hmm. also Michael Jackson. Also Michael which Jackson, which then I co- called Iris Ornick Reimagines Michael Jackson. Iris Ornick plays the songbook of Bert Um, Bakra. The latest project, which unfortunately got um, basically just um, crushed by the pandemic, was um, Iris Onyx Pilgrims. So I'm from Germany and basically traveled, had the voyage from Germany to New York, and I put a whole set of um, compositions of mine together to explore and describe. That journey, but that project is basically at the moment still uh, on ice until everything is getting kind of normal. I wanted to do a recording last year. We planned every planned everything for last autumn. It didn't work out, and hopefully,
0: but all those songs are written.
2: All those songs are written, and it's with a a cornet player, guitar, bass, and drums.
0: So when you do the when you do the arranging for the Michael Jackson or the Backrack, um, what's that like? How different is that than uh, composing your own tunes?
2: It's definitely challenging because it's like with your own songs you can you can choose the direction you want to go. With songs who are written and you are rearranging, you have to keep keep it in the same framework. Basically, you have to go that route. You can't just go in the field and come back sometime later um, basically you just um, miss the road at one point if you do that you can like do little detours but you always have to stay on on the road of the previous composer.
0: And what would it be like if you were to try to commercialize some of those songs you, you'd you presumably have to get rights to them right?
2: Yeah that's, that's um, that also I didn't get the rights um, somebody wanted to do a recording, but he asked me to uh, take care of the rights, and the rights were too expensive to pursue use it for a recording. So I so you actually explored
0: I, that through the publisher.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I didn't, I didn't do it.
0: Right, and and which was that the rack or the Michael Jackson? It
2: it was a Michael Jackson, yeah. which I really thought it will be very cool, but um, unfortunately, um, as artists always have kind of not really the money flowing to get all those things done.
0: But when you play that in a club, then, um, this is kind of an arcane point, but then the club has, has already secured rights. So they secure the rights to the music in your, so you can play that in a club without separately securing the rights. Mm
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's nice. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, um, do you feel that as a, as a player composer, um, that you're typical or or, or atypical uh, in that respect? Like most of, would you say the pr- preponderance of the musicians that you encounter, uh, I know they've had composition courses, you told us that, um, mm-hmm. continue to compose like you do? Or is it something that you think makes you a little bit unique?
2: Um, I think it makes me a little bit unique um, and of course, every composer has their unique style. And my composition. So I'm, I'm in general, a kind and melodic person. So the kindness I, my music is very melodic, but it has a lot of twists and and characteristic changes, which is very surprising. So I definitely now as a composer I have that as an advantage that that basically I'm having a song It goes uh, suddenly a complete different direction and it's coming back to the song how it is. So I definitely have um, a talent for that, doing those things.
1: Boo mm-hmm. boo
0: The Jam Session Radio Hour on WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR station, 88.3 FM in Southampton, New York. Thanks so much for joining us. You can also hear this on WLIW.org slash radio, and all of this is podcast, including many other shows of The Jam Session Radio Hour, many other shows of WLIW, just a real feast of interesting podcasts. Well, I think it's I think it's great that you compose because it seems to me that uh, for for a life of a musician to have those layers, you know, there's playing, there's practicing, there's you know, yeah. there's playing mm-hmm. seriously, there's playing with your friends, and then there's also composing, and then that I'm sure has different levels as well on arranging. So it just makes that mu- that much more complete, I would say, alive, yeah. to me, for a musician, it's like, uh, yeah. And then you're also uh, you're also artistic. You're very artistic, right? You still paint.
2: I still paint, yeah.
0: And you never really stopped painting from the time you started painting, right? You're a painter. No. Well, what are your no. paintings like? Or do you do photography? Do you do other things as well as being a um, photographer as well? I did,
2: did photography. I do some pictures, but I never think they're really cool. As, so there are other people who I really admire. Um, I, I definitely like more the kind of painting with um, watercolors or acrylic and sometimes right. just with pencil. I do like that. I think it is, it's a process of creating something. Um, I don't have the eye. You, you need a really fast eye for photography. I think so to see, yeah, to see, Oh, that's a great shot. And, and, and they just shoot the shot.
0: Right. And, 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 and in the, what's, what's the correlation between your painting and your, you're you're composing. Will you paint something and then say, Well, I can riff off that and compose it? Or you will you more often than not be inspired if you're inspired by art, you'll be inspired by somebody else's art?
2: Um I've never actually I've never it's it's for me now something I will try because I've never painted something and do something with music or versewise. I just visualize it and it's it's there, but it's not um putting on paper or canvas. I like that idea. I definitely so you've never,
0: You've never created a piece of art that no. then inspired a piece of music? No. That's no. It, but you certainly have been inspired yeah. by art. Certain pieces of music have been inspired by other people's art.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. When I was a kid, I was the biggest Salvador Dali fan, <laughs> fanatic. <laughs> he, he really impressed me. Yeah. Really, yeah. really something.
0: That's great. And where, where can you see most, uh, like where in the U.S. can you see the most Salvador dollies? What museum? Do you know?
2: Um, I do not know. I know I was a few years ago uh, in Houston. I was playing there and I was very lucky to get a special exhibition. It's probably like eight or nine years ago in Texas. Um, but I do not know right now.
0: So there were dollies there that you saw? Yeah. Right. How about in Europe?
2: Um, Europe, I do not know because when I, when I played in Europe, I always, I'm always there for a day and half of the days anyway, travel day. So I can't really tell right now.
0: So your life as a working musician, uh, creating income from music has always been in the U.S., not in Europe. Yeah. Per se. Yes.
2: Right. Definitely. Definitely. You have, uh, how
0: about, how about your, your friends who are still in Germany, who are in Germany and are pursuing jazz? What's, what's the environment like there? And um, um, setting aside the pandemic
2: and the environment there is really great um at at one point, I was jealous because they are opened up already to play again, but then they closed again, and I was kind of jealous and envy that they can play, and I'm just locked down here um it's definitely jazz is definitely equivalent with here um to play music, which is really great. I think it's really great. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is I definitely know if I just go and visit my family in Germany, I always can call up to them coming. Um, I come just, for example, for a family trip. Can you book a few gigs? And then I just come and play with my friends in Germany around around town or in the mm-hmm. next city.
0: So there's usually something going on that you can hold yeah. into. That's,
2: that's Yeah. A... Yeah.
0: Right. So... Um, the way it is in Europe right now, are there any places, or you know, before or after? I guess before the pandemic, we're really talking about where a jazz musician, if they were living in Europe, would most likely want to go to um, to create an income source.
2: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. There's Berlin, Berlin. If if I would move back, I definitely would move to Berlin.
0: Okay, Berlin but, is
2: uh, one of the happening city in in basically in Europe. Before it was definitely Paris was one of the jazz city. It's still, but Berlin is getting yes. much stronger.
0: How about Copenhagen?
2: Um, Copenhagen is good too. Um, it's a it's more a laid back vibe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely, um, I think I I like more the energy of Berlin, mm-hmm. like new and more a little more aggressive. I think I like that kind of energy on the edge
0: aggressive edgy yeah i mean I'm, I'm thinking of another interview that i did with martin fabricius i don't know if you know mm-hmm. who that is he's a vibes player he's a friend yep. of places and they studied drumming together and then he went off in a different direction and 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 does vibes
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and mm-hmm. i think he has a lot of support there you know from because the, they give a lot of support to the arts yep. so he's been able to take advantage of that um have you ever played with a vibe? player? Vibes player? Has that ever been a part of your trio or your quartet or whatever?
2: Never, but I played with uh, Blanton Tyler who lives in, in the city here. He's a fantastic uh, vibe player and also piano player.
0: Blanton Tyler?
2: Um, uh-huh. He's mm-hmm. really good. It's And he plays also which I'm kind of, I, l- I like that um, the mixing when they also have marimba and vibraphone because marimba is more percussive and uh-huh. the vibraphone is more um, has a much bigger sound because you can hold those notes or cut it off. So,
0: no, okay, yeah. And and are are there any you know? I mean, what are the instruments that you think fit best with what you do? I mean, obviously you're 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 part of the the back right, the back, the, the percussion, the sound, and all that. But yep. you hear all these melodies. So, mm-hmm. and do you have uh, like like Ada played with you the other day and and in, uh, in what we're playing? now uh, in, this, yeah. uh, in this program, um, tell us a little about that gathering, that, that instrumentation, those players, and, and whether that was, you know, how that may have stood out in one way or another from
2: other gigs. And um, so, um, so Ada, I know actually, um, probably since I'm in New York 10 years ago, um, somehow we never had the, the opportunity to play, and then um, how it is she moved to the Hamptons, um, even if she was probably still in the city, but a lot out there. Um, had a child and lived full-time and played with her husband all over. Um, so basically, I met her again. Um, the Hamptons Jazz Fest had their opening at the oh, Long Reserve.
1: Uh-huh.
2: What was it called again? That it's long Longhouse. Huge- longhouse yeah thank you and i heard there heard her there and and basically we just reconnected and we said we should do something together and thanks to the hampton's jazz fest um i got the gig in the library and i asked her if she would be interested and she said yeah sure so i was very thrilled to have her on the gig and i also i always wanted to play with tom guana on guitar um, who is really a wonderful guitar player, and I wanted to have it more mellow and concertant, con, like concert, more in a small setting. So that's why I picked those two musicians. And so I have a huge r- repertoire on my own music. And I picked basically, we didn't really had time and due to COVID, nobody really wants to gather too long together in a closed room. And I sent them my music. And I sent them my songs, which I considered as one of my easiest songs. And basically they came and they played it. We had like a couple, like half an hour, maybe just to talk through the songs and play it a little. And we played it and it was really wonderful. I had a great time. And especially since gigs are still rare and you don't play so often. It was, I really had a wonderful time playing with uh, Ada Rovati and Tom Guana. And both sounded really great. I didn't even have to tell them what to play. They just played what I, what made it like a a unit, which was fun.
0: Right, that's so great. How did you know Tom?
2: And Tom, I knew through the 55 bar in the city where I was basically a regular. I Mm -hmm. knew him through there. And I know also he lives in Hicksville. So coming out to the Hamptons, it's, kind of still a uh, hour and probably fifteen minute ride. Right. But if you come come from New York City it's you have to add at least another hour just be able to leave the city. So that right. was really good that he, he lives Yeah. (音楽) I don't know.
0: You're listening to WLIW, FM 88.3 in Southampton, New York. That's WLIW.org slash radio, uh, where you can hear it stream. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and you're listening to a concert and an interview of Iris Ornig, bass player Iris Ornig. There's an interview series on NYU, the Steinhardt School, it's called. I think it's it's the music school. And so he's mm-hmm. the head of the jazz program there, Schroeder. And he's, he's done a whole series. that You check him out on YouTube. And um, so for a while during the pandemic, our show was based on some of their interviews. And Marcus Miller oh, okay. was one of them. Oh, and, um, oh, and this wonderful African, um, African bass player who plays electric bass too. Can, I'm trying to think of his name. He was so great. I can't think of it now. Um, can you think of a bass player from Africa? Handsome. He, I handsome yeah.
2: if, yeah. Um I I can visualize he also if it's the same one, he also had a club um in the city Bonafide. Is that, that bass player? Yeah, Richard Bona. Yeah.
0: Richard Bona. Exactly. Thank you. Wonderful. And yeah. Marcus Miller, yeah, is that a great career. Yeah. Wonderful career. And
2: what what was the name again of that guy?
0: Richard Danny. Bona. BOM. No, 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 um,
2: no. The the radio host.
0: Oh, David Schroeder, S C H. Yeah, you know how Schroeder is spelled. It's a German word. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's wonderful, and yeah. So go to YouTube, and then there must be like forty of these in-depth interviews, video, you know, videoed. And so we just took mm-hmm. the audio feed and edited them and put on put some yeah. of the music behind. But all of those, here's here's a commercial for our, for our show. All of those are. Mm-hmm. Or podcast. most of those are podcasts on uh, yeah. WAW.: um, Well, um, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, but we got some names of some of the people who you presently like, you know. Uh, yeah. in, in, in your past, growing up, whenever, um, were there any, uh, other than the ones you've named, are there people who were particularly uh, formative for you and, uh, and influencers?
2: Oh, definitely Miles Davis and Jaco Pastorius. Those two are definitely one of my favorite um, musicians. And then Miles Davis goes along with John Coltrane and also Wayne Shorter.
0: Right. So I'm
2: definitely drawn to their music. Still, I definitely like it. Well, we'll tell everybody like
0: that, that uh, Robbie Coltrane is gonna be playing John Coltrane's Love Supreme at the Southampton Arts Center on October 8th.
2: I saw that and with Brandy Younger.
0: Yes. Randy Younger.
2: So, uh, I'm I'm very, very Randy intrigued. Younger plays
0: the harp. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm very intrigued. I was like, uh, wow, I love her. I, I did a recording with a singer. You did? And she was on that gig, yeah. She's Great. totally cool. She just came in with her. It's bigger than an upright bass. Built it built up, recorded, and left. Oh, I can think of another one,
0: too. That's Desron. Is Desron Douglas? You know that
1: name? Yeah.
0: He's a uh-huh. bass player, isn't he? Yeah, he so I, and and he, we recorded him during the uh, more in the during the uh, the pandemic at oh, uh awesome. Southampton Arts Center without an audience. Yeah, she was oh, there. Awesome. She didn't play. Okay. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Really wow.
0: Well, that's a great. Yeah. So everybody, put that down. Come out October eighth. You have to pre-register at Southampton yeah. Arts Center. Believe it or
2: not, I did already. Me too. I, I just, I just, I want to have to be the German or in us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sure. I, I did when I saw it I said oh tickets and I I reserved my seat
0: well Iris, was here you're, you're delightful to talk to um, delightful to know you've been such you're such a great help to the Hamptons Jazz Fest to, to, to the jam session um, and uh, so people have gotten to hear two shows and how you know this one and the one last week so they'll both be podcasts so if you want to hear them again people you they'll be available Thank you, Iris. Excellent. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you, John. Am,
0: thank you very much. I'm sure people enjoyed the, the concert and uh, the combination. So thank you very much. Thank you. So you've been listening to Iris Hornig, and I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a, um, an interesting combination of her playing along with uh, Ada Ravati on tenor sax and Tom, Man- Tom Guana on guitar done in late September as part of Hampton's Jazz Fest Hampton's Jazz Fest now is looks like it's officially over last night or I guess a couple nights ago on uh, uh, October 8th was uh, a concert which was uh, an extraordinary um, opportunity of Ravi Coltrane playing John Coltrane's Love Supreme, other great players, hope you were there, if you were not uh, we will hopefully have a recording of this available to you coming to you on the jam session radio hour in the meantime thank you so much for all those who helped put the jam session radio hour together including class braundahl our music director of the jam session and rafael alvarez who does a great job in putting all of this together and wliw fm of course in southampton thanks so much for joining us catch you next time stay well good night for the jam session radio hour take care